Welcome to the October edition of BBRO Beacast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and Knowledge Exchange Manager for BBRO. As the cold nights draw in, the harvesters are now rolling. And in a moment, we'll catch up with Stephen Aldous to find out what he thinks is in store for us all. But first, let's speak to Professor Mark Stevens for a quick pest and disease update. So thanks for joining me today, Mark. We're going to obviously look at the, the crop and some of the issues that we have at the moment. And also we'll have a look at a little bit further ahead at the activities that BBRO are about to commence. So firstly, plant clinic. Uh, we normally are really, really busy in the summer and it goes quieter around this time, but uh, not necessarily the case this year, is it? Afternoon chairs, I can't believe it's October, slight chill in the wind and the factories are starting to gear up into action. But with regard to plant clinic, it's been a strange season because the peak is normally in June, but we didn't have too many samples in there. But we've had quite a lot through August and September, primarily driven by virus yellows, uh, the beet moth, which we'll come back to later, and foley diseases. But the ones that we're just starting to see in the last week or two are one or two root rots coming into the crop, combination primarily of uh, uh, fusarium, possibly some rhizoctonia in there as well. Uh, I think it's down to the crop being under stress as the season's progressed. We are aware of some uh, crops and roots and crops cracking. Uh, and any sort of opportunity for these pathogens to get into roots, they've taken the opportunity. So yeah, also seeing some uh, violet root rot uh, as well. If we get any water sitting in crowns or hollow crowns, that can then lead to opportunistic bacteria to come in, things like penicillin. So we do need to be mindful of that as we're now starting to lift the crop because if there are issues, it, it will need to be watched. You can certainly keep an eye on that on mouse clamps or any cleaner load of spoilage heaps. And if you see some rotten roots, then make a note of it. Uh, and if it's more significant, it's important to talk to you, do your contract manager. Uh, but so, yeah, one to watch um, as we go through the autumn into early winter. So you just mentioned that the, you're seeing some beet with cracks. Uh, mm. What's causing that? Is that the fact we now had rainfall? Is the beet suddenly putting on the weight and it's cracking? And it's often very difficult to say, but it's down to stresses and it could be down to soil type. It could be down to rapid growth. Uh, it, it could be down to a whole host of factors. But uh, whatever happens and you get cracks in the beet, because you've got to remember some of these beet were probably under drought stress uh, and all of a sudden uh, under the heavy rain events have absorbed a lot of water uh, that could lead to differential growth in the root and cracking or whatever and restrictions in soil anything like that then opens up an opportunity for as i said all these uh, different fungi and, and, and bacteria and obviously we've uh, seen a lot of the beet moth and we are a bit concerned that with that we're going to see more um, root rots if there happens to be a hollow in the the centre. So that's another thing that we need to be watching out for. Can you just tell me a little bit more about the beet moth and what you're seeing? So it's been a developing situation. If we go back to the beginning of August when we had a plant clinic sample into BBRO Norwich, we had a bag of leaves, crowns and a bag of 
weevils. We weren't quite sure what was going on, but that was clearly the, the beginning of something really quite significant uh, and something that we're going to have to be very mindful of going into future years. But what we have been seeing, uh, you know, these larvae that have been mining in the crowns, into the petioles, into the leaf, and these larvae are of the beet moth that I think have primarily we've imported from mainland Europe and they just like the warm stroke hot conditions and the dry conditions have enabled it to really establish, particularly in the berry area along the A14 corridor. But what is concerning is it's expanding from that now uh, and we are aware of beet moth probably in all four factory areas, although clearly the worst damage we're seeing is the berry factory area. And Mark, we've, we've seen the pest before, but not to this degree, have we? Well, in 30-odd years of being in the industry, I've never seen anything like it. Yes, we did see it a couple of years ago near uh, Sudbury, uh, one or two fields there, low-level beet moth in September. And although yeah, it caused a little bit of damage, I don't think it would have caused any yield loss. You know, we are seeing widespread attack. Uh, and every planting field's been affected. And if you haven't been in your beet fields and you are concerned, it is worth looking and going for a walk. Uh, and it's very obvious, you know, look in the heart leaves and if the heart is black, will be the sign that the caterpillar's been eating the heart leaves and what you're getting is, you know, the faeces, the frass that are depositive. Uh, and you can get anywhere up to six to eight larvae per plant. We have seen a situation where, you know, probably two or three weeks ago we were about two or three percent in a particular field we've gone back to that field and now every plant within the field is affected so yeah it's trying to now work out the impact on yield i have been talking to colleagues right across europe and uh, because we're not alone with the severity of it this year but you know if the plant are not able to grow away from the damage and then we get sort of disease attacking the older leaves then, and then that really is going to compromise growth and, and sugar content. What we are starting to see, though, in some fields is that we are getting secondary growth. The problem is we've lost the growing point, which is leading to multi-crowning, and those leaves are nothing like potentially what it would have been there. So it really is a steep learning curve for us all. Uh, there's not much in the literature, there's not much science that we can base it on as you've probably seen in the bulletins and comments that BBR have been putting out. Probably the best uh, control strategy for us is heavy rain events, irrigation, cooler weather. Uh, the insecticides that may be of value really are struggling to control the problem because the larvae are well protected in the plants and you just can't get the chemistry to it. So, you know, we just need to be mindful of that, particularly at harvest, because what we don't want to do uh, as the harvester goes to the field is those crowns that may get depositive or any petioles that have got larvae in and we don't get a cold winter and they remain in the field or on cleaner loader heaps and then become a problem for 2023. So for the growers that are only just seeing the first signs being potentially first generation there shouldn't be much damage and hopefully yield will recover but they can't be complacent can they they've still got to make sure they keep on top of the hygiene. Yeah fingers crossed it isn't a problem for those growers but it is worth just checking because you need to know for future and BBRO are trying to understand the extent of the problem so any information you can provide us will be gratefully received and we're just trying to map 
the extent of it at the moment. And also we've seen a number of the crops struggling a little bit with drought and obviously virus and that links into secondary infections as well. So uh, what are you seeing at the moment in the way of virus results? So we're just coming to the end uh, of a relatively large screen for determining the levels of virus. We haven't quite finished it yet. Uh, but we've been collecting leaves from all the sites where we did all the aphid monitoring and the yellow water pans uh, and some of the sites that were part of the specific field survey that British Sugar are running. And the final results will be presented at the BBRO Winter Conference in February next year. Uh, but interestingly, from the samples that have been coming in, some of them aren't virus, which sort of reflects the challenges of the season. Mm -hmm. So not everything that's yellow is virus. But at the moment, beet yellows is the most predominant yellowing virus uh, from our tests. And we know that's the more aggressive of the three viruses. So yeah, keep an eye on that because we'll position all the data together. But on the whole, virus yellows aren't probably as severe as they could have been given all the information we provided mm. in March. And I think that's a testament to the sea treatments minimizing uh, the potential impact of virus yellows through April, May and June. Yeah, and again, it's a point, you know, don't get complacent because there hasn't been much around. It is about the control measures that were introduced yeah. and how well growers have responded to that. Yes, definitely. For those of you concerned about the beet moth, Mark has produced a video that is available on our website. Please look under our news. And as he's mentioned, monitoring your crop over the next few weeks will be critical in protecting your yield potential at harvest. So let's catch up with Stephen Aldous to hear what he thinks harvest has in store. So here we are, Stephen. Um, October's now upon us, but we haven't actually been able to get in the field yet and lift anything, have we? When are you hoping to start? So trial-wise, we will hopefully start the first week of October. We have some uh, strict deadlines to get trials uplifted and uh, data turned around for ready for next season's trials. So uh, we'll be into the NL and RL trials through October and November. Conditions, thankfully, have improved for lifting. Fairly constant rain showers now and ground conditions are at a point where we think that the trials machines will work effectively and, and we'll get full root recovery. So You've talked about NLRL, so I know it's natural lists and uh, recommended lists, but what is the actual difference when it comes to trial? To look at, if you're in the field with them, uh, essentially they're the same. It's just the, the stage of the process they're in coming to breeders and then to be recommended to you as growers. So anyway, you're going to be starting lifting these next week. Uh, you said that the ground conditions are better. Have you seen any uh, beet being lifted commercially anywhere else? Yeah, so obviously we're based at Downer Market, so there's uh, beet going past into Whissington at this point and several harvesters in the area have started and uh, haven't had much feedback, but seems positive so far. So what do you think of the conditions that we're, we're now left with? Uh, it's nice to see obviously canopies upright, hopefully topping and scalpings made slightly easier and ground conditions, I know it's very variable and soil types etc, but typically from what I am hearing and seeing that there is sufficient moisture to to get sheer depth uh, and get the roots out well. We've done a number of the demo farms of late and I know we've certainly seen a varying crown height on there. So what do you think? I mean, obviously it won't have changed. What are you recommending for growers? That, that situation still remains. Um, so yes, we've got a, a huge variance in crown height within, you know, within a single field. So with commercial machines and mechanical scalping arms, we just need to be very conscious of how much we're taking off. My advice is always focus on those large roots which are protruding out of the ground. We don't want to be taking too much off. I think we all want to recover as much yield as possible and that's one of the easiest and quickest ways to, to make sure we are doing that. 
and actually if you leave it a little bit green top it's not a major issue now as you go through a clean loader and it usually takes off doesn't it yeah i'm never the most popular person with the hauliers when there's a lot of green in the heat but yes generally by the time it gets to the factory the clean loader's removed it a little caveat if you are direct loading or you're moving beet really quickly this time of year just be slightly conscious of how much green material uh, because it can be very fresh and, and not removed uh, but typically if it's going to sit in the heat for a few days daytime temperature still warm it'll it'll um, come off fairly easily and we just heard from mark a little while ago about the issues with the virus at the moment and we've got some beet that are starting to crack and we obviously mm -hmm. want to avoid having rots um, setting in so if people are lifting what are you recommending is it's just in time if possible <clears throat> but if you have got to store what do you think people should be doing Again, although temperatures have dropped, it's still not cold, still plenty warm enough for storing beet. So again, just large surface area of the clamp, try to move it as little as possible. If you can tip it and leave it without pushing up and doing the minimal possible, really. We don't want to be pushing up. We don't need to be levelling off with tail boards. There isn't a frost risk at this point. Hopefully, uh, you've been in contact with your haulier, either through British Sugar or Direct, and they'll be moving very quickly. But yeah, just maximum airflow at this point. Again, if uh, you are seeing any root rots or you're cautious again trying to get just in time with that speak to your contract manager with British Sugar and make sure that that is a priority going into the factory so we can make the most of that. Yeah and that, that really reiterates what Mark was saying earlier about any of the root mm. rots and those have got really bad cases of beet moth mm -hmm. um, you know though that seems to be superficial on the, mm. the actual beet because the crown is damaged get a lot of rain it will the water will be sitting and it, it could cause mm. rots in future so I think this year is very much keep a close eye on your crop, mm. monitor and lift as and when you need to. You know, don't leave it in too long if you've got an issue there. Definitely a year to be astute with those observations. You know, make sure you're out and looking and um, as soon as the harvest is into it, you know, check those roots and make the most of uh, the factories needing beet at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Oh, well, thanks very much for that, Stephen. Maybe we'll catch up with you later on. Yeah, definitely uh, long season ahead yet, so uh, we'll see how this all works out. Thank you very much. Cheers. For any of you wishing to improve your knowledge of sugar beet, we are running the Advanced Sugar Beet course over three days in January, details of which are available on our website under events and also via the advisory bulletin. And just like the advisory bulletin, this beet cast carries basis points so for one point, the reference number you require is CP forward slash 122661 forward slash 2223 forward slash K. For those of you about to start lifting in October, good luck and thank you all for listening.